are. Guys, um, God has a story. It is powerful. It is transformative. It is amazing. God has a story, and he invites you to make it your story. And that story is found in the Bible. And what I want to do, guys, is help you get into that story and make it your own. That is what we're about here at Fellowship of Faith. And it's what this journey that we're going on is really rooted in. This story is about a giant rescue operation that God has been engaging in since all this stuff went awry back in the beginning. And it's been unfolding through the pages of history. Like a good news, it ain't done yet. God is still at work, and it includes you, and it includes all of this creation that he made and that he loves, and he invites you to be a part of it. And the story is complex. Okay, you gotta kinda come out of your comfort zone on this one. I'm gonna ask you some questions. Um, no, no shame, okay? No shame on any of these, whether you raise your hand or not. Who here has ever tried to read the Bible? Okay? Whole thing or part of it, okay? Who here has ever gotten into it and found that a good portion of it kind of was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, right? It's tough. And don't be afraid to admit it. It is a complex, deeply interwoven story, because let's face it, is God deep? Yeah, is God, is God mysterious? Is God complex? So why would we expect his story to be any different? And yet it is still through this story, no matter how deep and complex it might be, that God comes to us and speaks to us and does more than that. He starts to get inside and he starts to do things and he starts to work his transformation and he starts to, to, to draw us close to his heart and he starts to show us a new way of looking at life and reality. And he gives us promises about the present and the future, it is amazing stuff. But yeah, it's tough. And that's why I want to introduce you to a guy named Paul. A guy that you may be somewhat familiar with, but a guy that I want to help you see through new eyes. Because I think he can help you. I have found no better guide to God's story than Paul. Paul, um, I don't know if you know this, he wrote half the New Testament. 27 books in the New Testament. He wrote 13 of them, okay? So kind of tough to get around him right there. But you know, it, it's something more than that. It's not just a volume game. It's that this guy named Paul was really the first to do this. He was the first to take God's grand narrative, God's story, and really work it out. Really work it out in light of what Jesus did and what he came to do and what he was all about. To put it another way, if the Gospels tell us what happened, Paul is telling us why it's the case and why it accomplishes and changes things the way it actually does. Paul can be your best guide to the Bible, to, to understanding and discovering the grand narrative of what God is up to in this world and your life and understanding his story better. And therein lies the problem. I'm not going to ask you to show of hands on this one, though I'm so morbidly curious. <laughs> My experience is that a lot of people just don't like him. And how do you follow a guide that you just don't like? How do you put up with and read someone that you just don't like? 
it's like I remember in high school, they'd make me read like Shakespeare and like Emily Dickinson and stuff like that. And you just want to throw up in your mouth, right? And, and, and then someone comes along and tells you, but here are the secrets of life. And No, right? It's hard because so many people, and I'm not just talking about, about non-Christians, un-Christians. I'm not just talking about people who, who aren't followers of Jesus. I'm talking about Christians here. Some of the most deeply devoted Christians I have ever met that are in this love relationship with Jesus that will leave you like, oh, that'll go, you know, I don't admit this outside of like the dark corners of my house. But that Paul guy, it just bothers me. I just don't like it. You know, you can always tell when they're reading the Bible, whenever you see someone stiffen up, you know they're reading Paul. But Paul matters. And I think given a chance, Paul will help you see God's story with fresh eyes. And what I want to do today is help you see him with fresh eyes, so that maybe, just maybe, you're willing to risk looking at God's story through Paul's eyes again. Now, I put together a few things. These are things that I have heard over the years um, that people have said about Paul. Interestingly enough, some are from the Bible itself. All right? Here's one. Paul is hard to understand. Whatever, let's let the guards down today. You know what I want? If one of these resonates with you, I need a giant amen out of you, all right? So if you see something and you're like, yeah, I'm there, just own it. Even if you're the only voice, just own it, all right? Paul is hard to understand. Amen. Yeah, right? Right? And the rest of you who didn't say anything, you didn't read them. <laughs> I got good news for you. You're not the only one who's ever thought that. You know how you know when you're in good company? Look at what Peter, you know, disciple Peter, like, like king of the disciples, Peter kind of guy. Look what he said. All right, like Peter followed Jesus for three years intimately, firsthand. He's like, yeah, Paul just, yeah, I don't know what that guy's about. You, you know what I mean? His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. It's like the greatest understatement of all time, you know? You feel like you're, you're, you're listening to a parent trying to like soft pedal it for the child. It's true. Admit it. Own it. The dude is complex. I mean, he is mind up here. He stuttered under the great sages and rabbis of his day. He swam in deep streams of the scriptures and of life that would put us to shame. He was a Pharisee. Do you know what that means? He had the Bible memorized. We don't like him already, <laughs> right? Paul is hard to understand, but Peter will go on to say, but he's not inaccessible. The problem with Paul is that unstable people come along and distort the things that he says. Same verse, you can look it up. It seems that what Peter says is, is if Paul is hard to understand, the onus is on us, not on Paul. Because you see, Paul is a Pharisee, which means Paul is steeped in the Old Testament. He is steeped in that great, grand narrative of God. And the more you know the Old Testament, Testament, the better you'll get Paul, which doesn't make it easier, does it? But it's just the reality we're faced with because Paul saw himself as part of a grander story. 
He saw in part as a deep, great story that went back from the beginning of God's rescue operation of what he was doing in this world laid out in these scriptures. And what Paul does is he takes that story and he says, this is how it applies to you in Jesus. But if you don't know the story, you won't catch what Paul is trying to say. And so what Paul invites us to do is to come into his world, to get to know the story that shaped him, to immerse and steep ourselves in it, because when you do, the revelation of what God has to say, it'll start opening up. It's like scales will fall from your eyes. It'll become, become something filled with clarity right before you, given the chance. Okay, remember the amen drill? All right, how about this one? Paul is an out-of-touch ivory tower intellectual. <laughs> All right. There is this idea out there about Paul because he is such a mind. You know, you know what I mean? He swims in the deep end of the pool, does he not? And that because he swims there, that, that he gets this reputation of being out of touch with regular, ordinary people facing the realities of life. Let me challenge that out of his own writings for you today. By the way, there, there's this one thing that Paul was preaching once to this guy named Festus. Don't you just love that? Listen to what Paul himself has to say. Here's just one excerpt. He's writing to this church in, in a city called Corinth. And he writes, guys, we don't want you to be uninformed. We don't want you to be uninformed about the things that we're experiencing and facing in Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. No hands needed on this, but have you ever despaired? Have you ever despaired of life itself? Paul gets it. He's been there. He's faced it. God did not insulate this man from the troubles and hardships of everyday life. He lived them firsthand. In fact, I would argue he lived them to far greater degrees than most of us here ever have. Listen, listen to this one bit. He, he, he writes later to this church. He writes, guys, Hear this from me. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Already he's swimming in streams where I've never been. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. I've been tortured. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, at which point you're like, dude, after time one, stay out of boats. <laughs> I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I know what it's like to be homeless nomad. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, yeah, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false Believers, I have labored and toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. And I've often gone without food. 
I have been cold. I've been naked. And besides all that, guys, I I just know what the, the pressure of life is like. I face daily the pressure of my concerns in my heart for the people I love, for these churches that I'm trying to reach, for the vocation and call that God has given me. Paul is a guy who got it. He's a guy who got it. In his writings, guys, these are not the writings of some professor tucked away in a little alcove out of touch with the world. His writings in the Bible are not like some first century equivalent of a Zondervan deal doing mass market print. They are personal, heartfelt letters. They are the texts and the emails sent by a man in deep relationship with real people in real places facing real struggles that he had a heart connection with. And I think, honestly, it's because his writings are so practical, are so specific, are so personal, that that's what makes them tough. Because imagine this. Imagine if you were trying to read an email correspondence between two groups of people, but you only got to read half of the emails, only those that were sent, not those that were responded. Are you following me? When we read Paul, what we're reading to, what we're doing is we're entering into a dialogue, a dialogue in a context that he had with real people, but we're only getting half of the message, his half, what he had to say in response. And that ain't easy. Let me give you an example of this today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read a text stream between Tina, my wife, and myself, but I'm only going to read the texts that Tina sent to me. Okay? See how you do on this, and let let me get to where I need to be. All right, let's jump in, let's jump in here. The kids are going to have great looking hair, but they really move slowly here. Just watching the stylist is making me sleepy. Reminder, Keith Baumgartner is having surgery. Already texted the family. Hospital is in Indy. 17205 McGuire, which ain't in Indy. I might suspend judgment if you bring something home. Wink, wink, smile. (laughs) Depends how long. Did you go to Harvard Egg and Feed? Google has gotten a little frightening. Their homepage has Google spelled out in birthday cakes, and when I hover my mouse, it says, Happy birthday, Tina. Ooh. (laughs) Should I go to FOF and print them off? When you come home, I'm going to take you, and I'm not reading the rest of that one. No, it doesn't say that. I wish it said that. (laughs) You can text that through here right now. That'd be great. See what I mean? You can try to piece things together. You can try to make it make sense. You can read between the lines, but if you're not immersed in their world, the story remains a mystery. When we read Paul, we're reading someone else's mail. We're reading someone else's mail that has a powerful message to us, but someone else's mail nonetheless. And rather than write off Paul as being out of touch, to see him as someone practically involved with other people and to enter into their relationship and their world suddenly starts helping Paul make sense. Now, 
Do you remember the amen drill? How about this one? Paul's an anti-Semitic, homophobic, misogynist. Can you, like, do you just want to, like, try saying that ten times really fast here today? No, have you ever gotten that one? Paul hates women. Paul hates gays. Maybe he doesn't hate them. But he ain't pro. He ain't for them. He ain't got no room in his heart for them. Paul's anti-Jew. Paul's anti... It's just a taste. But for a lot of people, there's something in Paul's writings that is so controversial to them that they just can't get around it. I, I, I captured a few. Maybe they speak to you or bother you that I gather from him. Here's out of 1 Timothy. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet, which to this day I have no idea why anyone has an issue with that one. But um, <laughs> I'm not getting the text, am I? Here's one I like out of Galatians. He, he's having like this run-in with the Jews, all right? And, and what is the mark of Judaism? Circumcision? Now, we don't need visuals here today, all right? But go with it. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way. I wish their knife would slip and they would emasculate themselves. That just rocks. How could anyone dislike a, you know, a slam like that? But you know what I mean? There's, there's things that Paul wrote that people come across and, they, and it just bothers them so much at the core that they can't get around it. But then I stop back, step back and I think, what would happen if every text, every email, everything I had ever written had been collected? And what happened if added to that, every conversation I had, some dude was like writing down going, man, that's good stuff. Make sure you don't lose that. And then all of it was collated, and then people spent 2,000 years turning it over, analyzing it, sifting it, critically looking at every single word. Man, there might be some things that I've said too, and I'm sure it's the same for you, that looked at just by themselves as one sentence out of context would make me and you feel pretty ugly Two. And I think of this Paul, this Paul who often gets judged. And I think this is the same Paul that women loved, and not because he was good looking. Women loved him. They flocked to his cause, they worked alongside of him. Because for the first time, there was a sense of dignity and honor and respect in a world that kept women down. It was Paul who said, there's no difference, Jew or Greek, male nor female. We're all one. We're all sons. Women, you're a son. You have the same rights as a son in Jesus Christ. Women that he set up as pastors of house churches, women that he sent out as apostles. But do we look at the deeper story? The greater things. This is the same Paul that went to the, the homosexual community of his day far bigger and more prevalent than the gay community today. And he went to them and said things like, you know, I know your road, I know where you've been. I've been there too. No, no, maybe I'm not homosexual, maybe I'm not gay, but I got my own list of issues too, and that makes us the same. And I want you to be one with us. 
It's funny, he takes marriage language. Be one with us. Be one with us, he says. You know, they, they might judge you out there, they might scorn you, they might use you, they might abuse you. Be one with us because you're like a brother or a sister to me. But are we willing to look at, at the greater things, the greater story, the greater message of what Paul has to say? I think of Paul who says, wait, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day, and I bear that with pride and honor, and my heart is for my people. It's, 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 it's an amazing irony of history to me that Paul is called the apostle to the Gentiles, and yet most of his ministry was to Jews. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, circumcised in the eighth day, and I love my people. In fact, in Romans, he goes so far to say, I, I, I would go to hell. I wish God would damn me to hell rather than one of my brothers or sisters of the Jewish race be lost. Could you say something like that? It's easy to judge people by a few words out of context. Might it be better to give them a chance? Finally, maybe you're here today. And maybe your kind of approach in, in, in issue with Paul has been something along these lines. Remember, amen. Paul was his own agenda. He wasn't even an original disciple. Who does he think he is? I like one of you. All right, okay, okay. You know how I've seen this one come out a little bit more? People pitting Paul against Jesus. I've met Christians who say, you know what, I mean, Paul, I guess he's there, I've got to deal with him, but you know, I follow Jesus. As though that's somehow a superior route. Guys, can I just say, no one knew Jesus better than Paul. You want to know who Jesus is and what he is up to. Get to know Paul. See, Paul got to see him face to face. He writes at this one point, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what I'm preaching is not of human origin. This wasn't philosophizing. This wasn't making stuff up. This wasn't like a discovery in the lab. He said, I didn't receive it from any man. I'm not just like parroting other people's works. And wait a minute. I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Because Paul met him. He saw him face-to-face, -face. and after that, he was never the same. Paul has an agenda. It's an agenda to point people to Jesus and that great, grand narrative that God has been unfolding and that great, grand rescue operation that God brought in him. See, guys, Paul matters, and I like him. At times he's tough, at times he's confusing, at times it's like, what, man? At times he writes things that are hard for me to understand, at times he writes things that bother me. At times I don't see how his message meshes with Jesus, but I've come to like him because the more and more I get to know him, the more and more he reveals to me who Jesus is, what he's about, and what God has to say. Because God has a story, and he wants me to be a part of it. He wants you to be a part of it, too. And I have found no better guide to this story than Paul and what he has to say.
And so, I want to invite you and challenge you to get to know him. More than that, not really to get to know him. To get to know these things that he's written. To get to know God's story through his eyes, through his perspective. To see for yourself what God has to say to you. Because God swims in a stream called the Bible. It is where he will speak to you, show himself to you, and begin to take a hold of you if we're just willing to open that door and enter in. So let me chart what we're going to be doing this year. Because today starts a roughly 40-week journey of going through the Bible through the eyes and perspective of Paul. This year, we're going to be doing three things. Let me show them to you right now. Number one is this. We are going to survey and look at all 13 of his letters. Because at some point, you just got to come face to face with what the guy actually said. Am I right? To those of you in this room who are Christians, I've got an especially um, more pointed challenge to you. It becomes vital in your walk with Christ if you claim to be a follower of him who bases your life on this book to actually know what it has to say. To be able to go, yeah, 1 Corinthians, let me tell you what it's about. And to be able to do it in two sentences or less. Stick with us and we'll help you do that. We'll help you learn what each of these 13 letters is about. And not only that, why Paul said what he had to say. And we'll take it another step. We're going to take you into the undergirding theological narratives because Paul did not write in a vacuum. He immersed himself and based his life in God's grand story. And we'll take you into that story that informed and shaped Paul and his writings, help you to know those meta-narratives underneath, those deeper streams that bring to light the nuances, the contours, the illusions tucked in what Paul has to say. And more than that, we want to help you meet Paul himself to know the man's story. What happened to him when he came face to face with the risen Jesus? Because when we know another story, it can speak to our own as well. And by seeing Paul's story, maybe see our own a little more clearly. Now, besides Sunday mornings, and the supporting ministries that we, we have going on, Rock and Boulder and the study and discipleship groups that are all kind of fueling and feeding into this. I want to share with you three more resources that we, that we have as well. Three more things, faith challenges we call them, the things that we're going to encourage you to do to make the most of this journey. All right? First is this, daily reading plan. Can you get that for me, Ben? Thank you. What we've done is we've printed up these bookmarks and we've printed up these booklets. And what each of these do is lay out a daily reading plan, a way to be in the Bible every single day, bite-sized chunks, two to three, maybe five minutes, just a way to get into the story for yourself every single day. 
Let it speak to you on its own terms, not, not, not just through me or here on the radio. Let it speak to you on its own terms. Come, come face to face with what God has to say to you every day. Additionally, every week we're preparing these sheets. They're called Go Deeper. It's like a two-page Bible study. Insights, questions, resources, things meant to take Sundays further along, to pique your interest, to, to help you take it further and dive deeper into what God has to say. You can pick all of this up at the info table on your way. You can get all of this online as well. And every week, we're going to work to memorize it. Take small but significant chunks of God's story through the eyes of Paul and ingest them. Make them our own. Because nothing beats taking God's message and making it a part of yourself. That's where we're going, guys. That's this year. My hope and my prayer is that each of you here, whether, whether this is happening for you for the first time or you've been on a long journey with Jesus for years, that God takes you deeper, that God reveals something more, that God grants you clarity and insight, that he speaks and works transformation through the guide and through the eyes and through the lens of this man named Paul. Yeehaw. I want to invite you to rise. I said it earlier, it's worth saying again. When Paul came face to face with Jesus, he was never the same. God's invitation is not just to guys like Paul. It's to you and to me as well. When Paul came face to face with Jesus, his life was laid bare. No getting around it. To come into the presence of God is to bring everything into the light. God invites each of us when that happens not to run away, not to hide in fear, not, not to buffer him away, but to own it, to confess it and repent of it and lay it before him. And, and, and that's what I want to invite you to share in today. So I want to just invite you to take a moment to pray to come face to face yourself with Jesus today. And whatever you bring here today, don't hide from it. Bring it to him right now. And if you're willing, would you pray these words with me today? 
Slide, please. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Paul said this. Let me share it with you today. He said, here is a trustworthy saying that demands full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Get to know Paul's story, you'll see he was one of the worst. But he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Maybe you're here today. Feeling like the worst. This is the good news that Paul discovered. Jesus died for you. Your sins are forgiven. God loves you and invites you to follow him anew again today.